Hello, people of quarantine. Um, can you believe this is our life right now? 100% no. <laughs> um, anyways, guys, today I'm here with my mother, Amy Flores, and just introduce yourself. Hello, everyone. So I'm Amy Flores. I'm a nutritionist and herbalist, and I'm currently finishing my doctorate in naturopathic medicine. I am co-owner of a birth and wellness agency, the largest agency in San Antonio, Texas. And I also am co-owner of an herbal apothecary in Aguadilla, Puerto Rico. And basically, I just wanted her to share. Um, I feel like there's so many different topics we could dive into. But specifically, I guess, with everything going on with quarantine and then some of my friends actually being pregnant, I wanted to discuss um, just a holistic way of going about birth and planning and all that different kind of stuff so I just wanted her to share her story of how she kind of got into that I mean with my brother Owen Mm -hmm. she had him in the hospital and then I forget somewhere along the lines it kind of just (laughs) yeah went a more natural route right yeah yeah it was planned to be a more natural route um so definitely when I found out so to give more um kind of background information. I'm also a military officer and um, becoming pregnant with my son was a big surprise. Um, I'd been told for a few years that I was never going to be able to have children uh, because of an an autoimmune condition that had developed during my time overseas. And so just on my own research, I wanted to figure out how I could get well enough, you know, to feel better, not necessarily that I was hoping to ever be able to carry a child, but I was just wanting to feel better. And um, after a couple years of doing my own research, trying a lot of detoxes, I mean, those are all things we could talk about on another day if people are interested. Um, I got sent to Iraq again, and um, my husband got sent to Iraq. uh, And, you know, we clearly were not expecting, you know, to conceive a child in that environment. But, you know, things happen. You got to pass the time. So, (laughs) so anyway... Um, when I found out I was pregnant, I was already six and a half months, still had a total awesome six pack, wasn't showing one bit, never had morning sickness, nothing. I actually was teaching, um, combatives class, which is like hand to hand combat. Mm -hmm. And I taught class that morning, which is like incredibly physically challenging activity, like where we are actually striking each other and like rolling around and fighting. I had no idea I was pregnant. And that afternoon we were outside and it was like 115 degrees. And, um, I just, I just felt off, you know, besides the crazy heat. And, uh, I ended up blacking out like face planting in the Iraqi sand, jacked my face all up. And it was like a total out of body experience because uh, your dad came running over to me, and I remember my so- hearing him and hearing my soldiers saying, oh, my gosh, what happened to Captain Flores? Um, and I heard someone say, maybe she was dehydrated. And I heard my soldiers say, oh, there's no way Captain Flores is dehydrated. She's always telling everybody ex- the exact amount of water they need to drink. And they took me to the, um, the Iraqi field hospital, and they couldn't find anything wrong with me. They're like, oh, you're in perfect shape. We can't find anything wrong with you. And I was like, well... I don't just pass out and eat dirt for no reason. You know, there has to be something going on. And um, I did a pregnancy test, but who knows seriously where this pregnancy test came from because, you know, there's not a lot of women where I was. And 
not a lot of Iraqi drug stores with pregnancy tests. And so I don't even know where it came from, but the test was wrong. So finally they did a blood test and said, wow, did you know you're pregnant? And I was like, uh, clearly not. No. And, um, they had me in the room by myself and then they were getting ready to like give me a speech and get me in trouble because as a woman in a combat zone, you're not supposed to be getting knocked up. Right. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, I'm married. My husband is here. I'm not like sleeping around randomly on the base, you know? Um, so then they brought my husband in the room and they told him, and then he almost passed out because we were just not expecting it. And lo and behold, this doctor is just like <laughs> walking by and he's like, did I hear pregnant? I'm an OBGYN in the air force. And so he comes in and he's like, let's fire up this ultrasound machine And it was a total, again, like out-of-body experience because he fires up the machine, which they use to look for shrapnel and wounds and stuff in Iraq. It's not like people are getting sonograms (laughs) in Iraq, you know? And so he puts this thing on my stomach. And again, I was in awesome shape. I was expecting like what you see on TV because I had never done any research about pregnancy because if I never thought I could have a baby, why even try to learn about it? So this dude puts this on my stomach and the doctor is like, oh my. And he's looking at the screen, but I can't see it. And I was like, well, what does that mean? I'm expecting to see like a tadpole, right? He turns the screen around. No, it did not look like a tadpole. It looked like a grown man inside my stomach. So the baby was already, uh, he said, best guess you're over 24 weeks pregnant because we could already tell it was a boy. And did you not feel anything? Like, did you? No. And what's crazy, no symptoms. And like, everyone's like, well, didn't you not have your period? And I was like, I never had my period regularly prior to that because I was doing so much physical conditioning. And then Mm -hmm. when you add in the stress of like being shot at and, and craziness at work, it's not a big deal to like miss your cycle or be way off. And so... Um, once we found out we were expecting, they were like, well, you guys are already scheduled to go back to States. So I just went about my regular work schedule for the next, like maybe two, three weeks. And then we got back to the States and here's the, here's what really got me going. I get to the States, I'm in Texas and the care provider tells me that they don't, they, they don't want to see me because I'm high risk. And I was like, how am I high risk? I don't have anything wrong with me. You know, I'm healthy enough that all of my tests looks great. I feel pretty great. And I got pregnant on my own after you guys told me I couldn't. And they're like, well, you didn't have any prenatal care. And I'm like, clearly I took good enough care of myself to make this happen. Um, I was eating super well. I had been a raw vegan for over a year before I got pregnant. I did a detox. And when I say raw vegan, I meant I only was eating completely raw fruits and vegetables, no processed, not even gluten-free organic bread, nothing, only raw fruits, raw vegetables for over a year. And so when I got pregnant, oh, this is funny, but I didn't know I was pregnant. Your dad was making coffee. We had like our little, um, we stayed in this little building uh, where we would train soldiers at. Your dad and I made like a bedroom out of what would have been a big like work area and he had a coffee pot in there and he was like going to make coffee and I was like oh my god it smells so bad what is that and he's like 
I'm just trying to make coffee. I was like, it smells rotten. Get that out of here. And it was my nose that like was like mm-hmm. all of a sudden hated the smell of coffee yeah. completely. And so then, I don't know, like a, it must have been like a month went by. And we were in the defect, the, the dining facility. And everyone was so used to me eating raw fruits, raw vegetables. Mm-hmm. That's it. And water. Well, anyway, I grab my tray and I come to the table and everyone is staring at me. They're like, ma'am, is that your tray? And I was like, it is. And they're like, I can't believe you're going to eat that. I had like a bloody piece of prime rib. Uh, it was so <laughs> like, you know what I'm talking about? Like yeah. where it's like just fresh off the fresh cow. off the cow. It looked like it was still mooing. And I was like, oh my God, I couldn't pass it up you guys. It smelled so good. And it was my body telling me. Mm-hmm girl, you need some iron. You better start eating that, you know, yeah. because my raw fruits and veggies weren't cutting it for the prenatal nutrition. So then anyway, when I got to Texas and they're like, oh, you know, you're going to be high risk. I was super pissed because they wanted to have all these extra meetings. They want to do all this extra poking and probing. And I'm like, dude, I could outrun every person in your entire office. Mm-hmm. I am in great shape. You just checked. The baby sounds fantastic. So I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. Yeah. And they're like, well, if you're not going to do our plan, then you, you're, we can't be your provider. And I said, fine, I'll find my own. So at the same time, we got orders to get moved to Michigan. And so um, I jumped online and I started Googling, like, like I said, I, had, I didn't know anything about pregnancy once, you know. I call, I talked to my mom and, you know, I'm number five out of six kids in my family. And my mom, so I called my mom for advice. My mom was like, I had all of you guys without any medication. It just is too easy. You just, you know, you'll have the baby and things will be fine. I was like, all right, mom, if you could do it, I, I can do this. So, um, I started make calling around in, in Michigan, you know, for a doctor. No one wanted to take me. They all said the same thing. I was high risk. So then I got on the internet and I started Googling other options because I didn't know any better at the time. So I Googled like birth helper people, <laughs> women who help women with birth. <laughs> and um, I found the two, the two name, the two like words I needed to find, which were doula and midwife. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Ooh, these sound good. I could get down with this. Right. So I started researching, well, what do they do? And um, then I told your dad, I was like, this is what I want to do. I want to have a doula mm-hmm. who's someone who's going to be able to support me emotionally, physically, mentally educationally throughout the pregnancy tell me everything is supposed to happen come to the house like give me private classes and that's the person who I call to be with me whenever I think I'm in labor and they help me out right and so your dad was like oh yeah that sounds like a good idea and I was like and I want one of these midwife people that's who does the medical part to deliver the baby and so I was dead serious so from I googled it I made appointments uh, I booked a flight. I flew to Michigan and I met with the doulas and the midwives and I did my interviews and I selected somebody, bam, put money down. I was like, I hire you and you. Mm-hmm. So when the time comes, you're going to tell me what I need to know to have this baby. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, everything went great, super easygoing pregnancy. Um, I ended up having a completely natural birth, um, natural vaginal birth with no issues whatsoever. Um, and then here's, here's where it gets into everything we were kind of talking about was, you know, I have this like amazing newborn and, um, and then I went for like a regular checkup with, um, my assigned primary care manager, you know, just like a regular, um, doctor 
conventional doctor and it was another woman. And when I saw her, I told her, you know, yeah, I was like feeling like a little more tired than normal. And, you know, I wanted to have some additional blood work done just to check on everything, stuff I had been working on since before I got pregnant in Iraq, you know, that I was working on my health with my autoimmune conditions. And she didn't want to run any extra tests, even though I completely knew what I was talking about. And she literally told me, you're, you're, and mind you, this is the last time I've ever seen a quote, regular doctor. She said to me, you're probably not feeling, you know, you're probably feeling like that because you're getting older. And I was like, really? Like that's Yikes. your, yeah. that's your professional mm-hmm. opinion. You're sticking with that. I even mm-hmm. asked her, I was like, you're, this took your final answer. hundred percent. That's what you're going with. Mm-hmm. I'm getting older. I was like, because I just turned 30. So then I was so mad when I came home and I was like, you know what? If I'm an educated woman, I've done my research. I did enough to get myself well. And I'm still having these appointments that make me end up feeling like crap, like where they're just being totally condescending. And I was like, this has got to change. Like, this is not okay. And I uh, started going back to school immediately um, because I was just so fed up with it. Um, Originally, I had studied, you know, political science. I was working on my master's in political science and I just started fresh. I had to go back and do everything um, in science fields. And so... I did all my pre-med courses and we got, then we ended up getting moved to San Antonio and that's where um, I really went all in on wanting to help change the birth world. And um, we started up what's now called Journey to Motherhood. It's, um, so it's Journey to Motherhood and it's San Antonio birth doulas. And so we have developed this birth and wellness agency where we could give women like families, expectant families, like a one-stop shop um, to learn about wellness, you know, if they had any issues where they're trying to conceive um, so I could help them, you know, prepare physically to conceive. And then we basically were there to coach couples or if it's um, not even couples, some people go this journey alone. You know, we have women that um, have decided to go forward with pregnancies on their own or they use in vitro, right? Mm -hmm. And just we meet every expectant person where they're at and help them on the journey, um, teach them that there are a lot of options, right? Mm -hmm. And so uh, we started that in San Antonio in 2014. Um, And so uh, myself, along with my partner, Amanda Reyna, we've grown it to be the, the top birth agency in San Antonio. And so now looking at it, especially in times like with the quarantine, you know, everything we've been talking about is just how important that is to know um, how to take care of yourself and, and know that there's a lot of options. You know, if you're expecting during this time, uh, no matter where you are, you know, in the U.S., look around. Like I know for our, our business, we started offering virtual um, consultations and like birth preparation classes for all of our clients. So even if we can't meet them at their house we're still like going the extra mile to try to teach them everything they need to know. So it's mm-hmm. been it's been pretty good. And also I wanted to talk about um you were mentioning the Black Maternal Health Week and a yeah. little bit about that and just um sh- like shedding light on that. Yeah. So um it just kicked off um and it's it's 
it's a week that to bring extra highlight, like a spotlight onto the maternal health for African-American women. And so it's a big thing that we've always looked into, um, definitely with Journey to Motherhood, that we want to, you know, we try to be incredibly inclusive with all of our practices. And so a big part is when, you know, we have a voice in our community uh, and for us in the birth world, we want to make sure we use our voice um, and especially to, to kind of amplify where things need to be heard. And one of the areas for sure is with um, African-American women, the, the mortality rate and the morbidity rate for African-American women giving birth is exponentially higher than any other race. And so we need to look really deeply as to why that is. And that's, that's why there's a whole week to bring focus to that because many women of color aren't given the right, the proper opportunities in birth. They're not given the right choices. Um, they don't have the right support systems. And it's, and it's not, since it's not available to them and they're not being taught um, different options and, and different ways that they can go about birth, when they show up at a hospital and you, that is um, in conjunction with like maybe the way different care practitioners treat people of color uh, mm-hmm. when they're going to give birth, it ends up very poorly. And I, I'm sure you remember, you know, Serena Williams, right? Yeah. Famous. She almost died yeah. in childbirth because she told the doctor something wasn't right and they didn't believe her. Mm-hmm. And so it goes to that, like your voice as a woman, like if, if, you say you don't feel well if something's not right in your body you need to be trusted and you need to be heard and that's a big thing like in general like with women it takes years longer to get a correct diagnosis for almost any ailment than it does compared to a man because Mm -hmm. they don't listen to us the first time we freaking say something you know and it's super frustrating and so um yeah definitely bringing focus to that this week and about different ways that um how can how can we help in that community? And so for us in San Antonio, um, we work really closely with, uh, she's an amazing uh, nurse midwife. Mm-hmm. Her name's Nikki Brown and she owns, it's called San Antonio Nurse Midwife. And she is awesome. Um, definitely someone that we really look up to. And so she's African-American uh, nurse midwife. And she's the only one in all of South Texas that owns her own birth center. Mm-hmm. And so she's literally changing the statistics for African-American women, like one couple at a time. Amazing. Like that's her yeah. thing. Yeah. And so like we do um, where we set proceeds aside from from journey to motherhood so we can do, like donate our services to a different woman or a couple in need. And mm-hmm. so that's something we've been doing over the last couple of years. It's helped out tremendously, too. So we can like try to make a, an impact, you know. Right. Well, what would you say are some of the things that stick out to you the most with just the way society kind of normally goes about like birth planning and things? I know it's such like a difficult topic, but I feel a lot of young women um, just don't, I don't know if a lot of young women don't care to do research or if they just, you know, kind of going down the line, you just, you know how when you said you were pregnant, you immediately kind of went to your mom and Your mom Mm -hmm. said she didn't naturally, and you kind of knew that was something that you could take on. Um, Do you even feel like that's something that happens um, today in society? Like, I think over the last generations, or like you know, my mom's 
about to be like 72. Sorry, mom, if I have your birthday wrong. Hey, booze. <laughs> sorry, sorry, mom. Um, but especially in the United States, we are not leading the way mm-hmm. for maternal care at all. Yeah. Like we have higher death rates uh, for women and babies, like more comparable to a third world country. Like the U.S. is horrific. Mm-hmm. And um, so if, if anyone's expectant right now, what my biggest piece of advice would be, whatever you, most people spend, how much money would you say people spend on a wedding these days? Probably like, I don't like $10,000. At least. I yeah. mean, like for like a small wedding, maybe 10 know. G's. <laughs> but I mean, if you're like but yeah. a lot of money, right? People do yeah. a lot of planning for a wedding, right? Yeah. For like uh, engagement pictures, right? And bridal pictures and bridal showers the and ring. weddings, the yeah. ring. There's like a lot of planning involved for a wedding, okay? Mm-hmm. For a one day event, yeah. right? That you hope will last if your marriage stays together, right? <laughs> but like... I wish that people would think about giving birth the way they think about planning a wedding. Yeah. Because you want to, like, yeah, great. Everyone wants to have a special wedding day. But I'm telling you what, there is nothing that is going to change you more as a person, physically, mentally, emotionally, than how you bring a child into the world. Mm-hmm. That's can't even be disputed. That that, And so the, the amount of time and money that you invest into a wedding, you should think about how you would invest that into yourself and into your child in preparation. And so if you start thinking about it that way, you don't wanna be the person who just goes willy-nilly, okay, I'm gonna go to my appointments and I'm gonna show up when they say to, and then they're gonna tell me when I'm gonna have my baby because they're gonna say they're gonna induce me on whatever day. If you go along with that crap, you're very likely gonna end up being a statistic that has a terrible birth, That even if you come out of it alive and the baby's alive, is it really going to be an experience that you're like cherished that that was like a really great experience, mm-hmm. you know? And so when you start thinking about your options and researching it and talking to people that have been there, done that, um, people in the birth community, you open your eyes and you can see like, wow, you know, this can be like a really magical experience, you know? And yeah. And also, sorry, a lot of people also don't know that Besides just, I feel like, a, um, what's the word, like, a lot of things you see on social media are, like, people giving birth in, like, specifically, like, pools or something. So, that yeah. kind of steers people away. But there are, like, birth centers. Mm-hmm. There's many options yeah, out there. Yeah, tons of options. So, like, let's say if someone is wants to have kind of, like, a hands-off birth, but they're not, you know, super crunchy where they want to have it at their house. Um, like you. Like me. <laughs> Then I was there. <laughs> then they can check into like um, they have birth centers that are standalone facilities, and then sometimes the hospitals even have um, birth center within the hospital. Mm-hmm. So if someone's more like medically inclined, or they're spun up real tight because their mom has scared them into thinking birth is super scary, then maybe that would be a good fit to find some place that has. Um, I personally, I would always recommend searching out a midwife. If you're a healthy individual who's not going to have a high-risk pregnancy, look for someone who's a certified nurse midwife or a certified professional midwife. In a hospital setting, you can typically find a certified nurse midwife, a CNM. 
And then that can be your primary caregiver throughout the pregnancy. And when you are said to deliver, they usually have, like I said, a facility. If they're within a hospital, that's going to have like birth tubs, birth pools, a much more cozy environment than like the sterile feel of a metal hospital bed in a room like you in one position exactly where they expect you to lay on your back the whole time and how bad is that for you yeah that's not no one wants to do that there's if if you're with any care provider who's telling you um if they want to induce you because there's a holiday coming up or any other type of crazy nonsense or if you're only thinking that women give birth on their back i would beg you to get out and, (laughs) and do some additional research and there's you know a lot that goes into it but I like to tell um when I talk to clients who are expecting um I like to talk to them a lot about how you know we talk about physiologically what happens with your body and what you can expect your body to go through but then um you know we definitely talk about different positions that and and we don't just expect you to be like bam show up on birthday and and all of a sudden you're going to be like you know, doing this amazing, you know, squat maneuver to deliver this child. We, we want you to prepare throughout the pregnancy. And so when we have um, a doula client, for example, we're teaching them things they can do at home using an exercise ball, a lot of different exercises because giving birth, even though you can't quote practice giving birth, you can train all of the muscles ahead of time. So you wouldn't want to show up to a track meet and expect to win a quarter mile race if you've never ran a quarter mile in your life, right? Yeah. So birth is the same way. If you can practice at home, strengthening and toning different muscle groups, um, making sure to keep everything nice and even, getting chiropractic care when you need it, things like that can all set you up to have a successful vaginal birth, you know? And we want with minimal or zero intervention, you know? Yeah. I could talk for days about this. Days. I know. I'm like, hmm. I also was doing some research, okay? okay? And I think I mentioned this to you earlier, but it, it was just about like a statistic, like 68% of women give birth vaginally every year. Okay. Um, to that other percentage mm. and everything. So, like, mm. <laughs> mm. so, okay. What are they doing? I think that number is probably high for the U.S. because so if you're expecting what I would want you to do, if, if you've just been seeing a regular OBGYN, ask them, what are your statistics for cesarean births? Mm-hmm. Ask your doctor, look them in the eye, how many births do you deliver surgically? If your doctor tells you, well, I did about 50% that needs to set off some sirens, not just like a little warning light. It needs to be like heavy duty sirens. Because if the doctor is doing something, something that is causing them to have to have to do major operation, a cesarean is a major surgery. Mm-hmm. It should not be one out of two babies. And there are some places, some super fancy looking great hospitals that that's their cesarean rate for their staff like that many doctors are performing that many cesareans and that is a damn shame it really is so right now um and i absolutely despise gabby knows me that i despise all of the world health organization and all these places but even looking statistically they say that the cesarean rate should be less than 15 percent okay so that's worldwide so if we say 68 percent of babies are born vaginally worldwide 
That's not, I mean, so they're saying yeah. cesarean rates around 30% worldwide. So if you're at a place that's higher than that, mm-hmm. l- run elsewhere. Yeah. Look elsewhere. Yeah. Because that's going to determine yeah. what's going to happen in your pregnancy. Yeah. That's scary. Hmm. Mm. Hmm. <laughs> so many different things, but I'm like, let's watch Handmaid's Tale. <laughs> <laughs> let's take some gold. Honestly, milk. we're going to have more. so much to talk about. Um, but anyways, I hope you guys are staying safe and not killing yourself. Um, <laughs> we're going kind of insane with the little ones here. But um, anyways, where can they find you for just joining the motherhood? Also, she has a um, Earth and Craft, Instagram, yeah. Facebook, all of that kind of stuff. Yeah, so we can put some links out there. So, um, um, so for Journey to Motherhood, you can look us up at samotherhood.com dot com or san antonio motherhood.com um or on facebook instagram twitter at journey to motherhood um and then for apothecary herbal greatness we're at earth <laughs> and craft perfect well thank you guys so much for listening um and if you have any additional questions just go ahead and um dm me on instagram at the vulnerable podcast all right bye guys